Welcome to Executives at the Edge, a podcast brought to you by MEF. I'm your host, Pascal Venezes. Join me as we explore thought-provoking perspectives from the leaders and changemakers who are propelling enterprise digital transformation forward. Well, I'm really, really excited to have Andrew Dugan from Lumen. And Andrew is the chairman of MEF, has been involved a lot with MEF, and he's the CTO of Lumen. And such a delight to have Andrew on this episode. Andrew, welcome to Executives at the Edge. If you can maybe tell our listeners a little about yourself and a little about Lumen, that'd be great. All right. Thanks, Pascal. You know, really happy to be here. Um, about myself, I've been as you mentioned, involved with MEF for a number of years. And I really enjoy the work and really appreciate the work that, that MEF is doing. Uh, I've been in telecom for about coming up on 35 years or so. Um, I've been with mostly service providers, um, you know, MCI, AT&T, um, but I have been with, with Lumen for about 20, uh, 24 years. So been there quite a while. Uh, and we, you know, from the early stages of a startup all the way to where we are now as a, a mature company. And Lumen is a service provider that um, primarily supports the enterprise. So we deliver networking services, cloud services, managed services, security services, voice services uh, to our enterprise customers. We also do have a significant part of our business that's focused on consumer providing residential broadband service. And do you cover that in a national, global area, or just mainly U.S. only? Or our focus is North America. Okay. Yeah, you know, we have it in times in our history. We have had Latin America assets, which we divested yeah, last year. Uh, we have European assets, which we plan to invest or signed an agreement with the intent to divest uh, later this year. Um, but our focus is primarily North America right now. Got it. So, Andrew, what trends are you seeing in the industry that are most impactful to Lumen? Um, you, there, there's quite a bit right now. I think it's a really exciting time in the industry. And I'll talk about the enterprise side of our business versus consumer. Um, the enterprise side is the part that mostly applies to MEF. Um, you know, so the biggest thing for me right now is, from a trend perspective, is the fact that our enterprise customers, their expectations are changing. You know, it's, it's no longer the days where you go to them and try to sell them, hey, do you want this telecom service or that telecom service? You know, enterprise customers have sort of been conditioned through you know, other transformations that have happened around the industry, things like cloud. They've been conditioned that they should be able to get their services on demand immediately. Um, they should fit their needs. They can modify them as they want. That cloud-type expectation we're seeing start to roll over into some of the other traditional networking services that, that we offer. And those expectations are a much higher level of service, a much more on-demand, a much more controllable set of services. You know, so as we look at how do we support those, you know, we are working to automate our business and create a controllable network and create a customer experience that allows customers to come in and manage their services you know, with a very low amount of effort. 
to do that, we need to support that automation of the network and of our operational processes. And, you know, that's where coming back to MEF, I get excited because the work that MEF is doing around the standardization of services, the creation of APIs, help push us in that direction. It, it allows us to start to create that digital ecosystem and create an automated set of infrastructure, not just within Lumen, for example, but it also positions us for the long run of being able to automate across carriers. Yeah, to, to your wholesale partners and your, and your partnership in, in general. Yeah. I wish we our network was everywhere, well, of um, course it is. but no, nobody's is. Yeah. Um, and so as, a, as an ecosystem, we all rely on each other. And you know, having the ability to have a digital experience across carriers in the long run, I, I think will be table stakes. Um, those that don't have it um, probably won't do very well in the wholesale space. But I think automation has gone from a nice to have to a must have, certainly in the last year, for sure. Um, but across the ecosystem, I still see some resistance. People feel like, you know, maybe, I, you know, they don't have the full automation. They might do a quote or, you know, that's, that's probably as far as they go. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a longer journey than any of us want. And I think part of the reason why it's going to be a longer journey to get to that full end-to-end -end automation is, you know, a lot of the companies that are out there that provide networking services, the reason they're in that business is they have a massive amount of infrastructure. That massive amount of infrastructure has been built with fiber and other technologies but it's been built over a long period of time. It's been built through uh, a number of companies that have sort of come together through uh, mergers and acquisitions. And along with that long period of time comes a lot of legacy infrastructure. And all of that uh, legacy infrastructure from a systems perspective and an inventory perspective, you know, I think generally slows down the industry. And so it's going to take time to get from you know, where we've been for the last 20, 30 years to where we need to be over the next few years. And I, I think that's the big contributor. But I'm saying the experience is I want this turned up from your, let's say your APIs or portals mm -hmm. facing the enterprise, hits Lumen's network and full automation, so it's fine within Lumen's footprint. Mm -hmm. But suddenly you depend on another partner and they can only give you a price quote, but to turn it up, they have to apply people for the next three months. Yeah. That really didn't solve a lot more than get a price quote. It may not solve a whole lot more initially in terms of getting a price quote. Um, but as the industry adopts these types of automation, it's going to become, it's going to put pressure on everybody to okay. do it. So that's will, the key point. They will have to do it eventually. And whether that's in two years, three years, five years, 10 years, they will have to get there. It's going to be the new way of, of doing business. Okay, good. But it's, it's more than just the quote piece and the order piece and the provisioning piece. There's all the management of services or customers' expectations are changing as well. And so the ability to come in and modify your service, maybe add capacity, maybe add a new connection on your port to a cloud provider. Um, or to one of your own data centers or to another branch office that you might have. All that ongoing management needs to be automated over time as well. So the order might have a change to it, or you're talking about on-demand resources. 
Okay. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, so how, you know, how are service providers now evolving to providing more than just networks? Yeah. Well, so we talked a little bit about the automation that's ne necessary at, at the network level. Um, but if you go back to think about what our customers are trying to accomplish, our customers are enterprise customers. The reason that they need networks is they have applications and they have users. And those applications and users need to move data around. Those enterprises are really driven by the application. And so they're not buying network just for the sake of network. They're buying network for the sake of their applications. Makes sense. And so when we think about providing service to our enterprise customers, we recognize that we are there to enable applications. So we want to provide the network components, which is based on that infrastructure that we're working to automate. We want to play, provide a place to run their applications. And that place to run their applications can be on-premise, on their premise. And for example, we do allow and offer managed services where we'll place servers on customer premise in a private cloud and manage them for them. Those applications may want to run as close as it can to the customer premise. Maybe the applications have latency requirements. And so they can't be 20, 30 milliseconds away in a centralized cloud. They need to be near and by. So we put them at the edge of the network in our facilities and provide the same sort of edge compute cloud type experience where they can consume servers there. And in a lot of cases, the applications will work in the centralized cloud. So providing connectivity to the centralized cloud, providing the ability for customers to manage applications in the centralized cloud through a multi-cloud manager is a key part of what they need as well. And on top of that network connectivity and a set of servers where they run their applications that can be a managed service, they also need security services. So that's something that uh, the industry needs to make sure that they're squarely focused on. How do you protect those applications? How do you protect those users uh, from the threats that are out there? So it's really the combination of those three things, network, cloud and compute, and security services. And how do you provide all of those in an integrated way that solves the customer's application problem and letting them manage them as one entity? and order them and configure them as one entity. I think that's where we're headed. You know, I talked to a lot of, and I talked to a lot of global service providers, and they're very much struggling, even with SD-WAN, and cybersecurity is just a huge struggle for them. Um, how do you see they're going to, if networks and security are going to become synonymous, and they are, have to become one? Because it makes sense. I get water, I don't want to have pathogens in my water. It should be clean water. Mm -hmm. So I should get bandwidth should be cleaned, right? It should be free of all that malware. So how do the, how, I mean, this is your vision. So you're just saying maybe in some markets it's more predominant, other markets just still have to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. And I completely agree with your commentary around the water just needs to be cleaned. The environment where that we provide that, that service providers like us provide needs to be clean. And so how do you do that? You wrap the network with security services. Yeah. You wrap the cloud environments that you provide uh, with security services. And 
you help manage customer security uh, with those uh, security wrappers that are around both of those. It's something, you know, in particular at Lumen, we take pretty seriously. We have, um, we've got a security practice where we provide a number of managed security services to our customers. And the threats that are out there, you know, are, are becoming, as everybody knows, you know, increasingly complex, you know, evolving continuously. So we've created a capability that we call Black Lotus Labs, where because of the size of our network, um, we get visibility into traffic patterns on the internet, for example. Mm. And we've got a whole team of researchers that are using uh, machine learning capabilities to detect patterns of bad behavior uh, and classify endpoints on the internet according to whether we think they're malicious endpoints. You know, we track botnets on, on the internet. So we get pretty good visibility into good patterns of traffic, bad patterns of traffic, good endpoints, bad endpoints. And that's something that you know, we invest quite a bit of time on to enhance our security services. So we push filters and rules into our security tools to help protect in that environment to do exactly as you pointed out, which is keep the environment clean and safe for our customers. So is this something you bought or is this you homegrown yourself? Um, we we homegrew most of it. Um, we did buy a security company several years ago called Black Lotus. Okay. Um, that was primarily a WAF uh, capability, but we've taken that brand and we've evolved it pretty significantly over time, leveraging our network data and have built a uh, threat research capability. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So web application firewall. Yes. Okay. So, you know, just changing topic, and by the way, that's, that's actually quite amazing. Changing topic, I see companies investing in fiber and I see companies investing into fixed wireless access 5G, wireless general, especially 5G. What is Loom's strategy in this? Um, so we're primarily a fiber-based supplier. Um, we do support wireless access, and we have a number of customers that use both fiber access and wireless access simultaneously. A great application for a branch office where you know the primary connection is fiber and you have wireless primarily as a, as a backup strategy um, to the fiber. We believe fiber is uh, more future-proof right now than, than wireless. We believe it supports higher performance, higher capacity, and that's where uh, our investment goes. And when we put a building on that, we, we focus on building it out with fiber. But we do certainly support a wireless access capability primarily through partners uh, to be able to uh, have that as an alternative connectivity method. But it's fiber for us. What did you think about where you need fiber, where you can get fiber laterals and you need fixed wireless access and it's available? I talked about the Sonata buying an order of fixed wireless access. Do you think that's a use case that you could see in the future globally where you can't get fiber and you can get fixed wireless access easier? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, those are the edge cases where I think that fixed wireless can really shine. Yeah. You know, where you can't get fiber, where maybe fiber is too expensive to build. Um, or, or just backup you. Yeah, as a backup. Um, you know, and I do think fiber will continue to push further and further out to the edge over time. There's a lot of investment going into it right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, uh, wireless is a great solution that can add 
um, higher capacity and higher performance when fiber is not available. Yeah, and I, I think what you're saying, it's a coexistence, a hybrid world, and depending on the use cases, you can get the best of whatever you need to get, yeah. fiber or wireless, or both in some cases. Yes, so it's yeah, great. absolutely. So it's not one or the other. No, absolutely not one or the other. Yeah, I, I do believe, and you know, it's because we are a fiber-based company, but I do believe that fiber has advantage, and where fiber is available, it will perform better and will be a superior service. Um, but they they will absolutely coexist. How is uh, Lumen partnering with hyperscalers? I know it's every in top of everybody's mind is you see hyperscalers and service providers doing some kind of announcement partnering. You see you know service providers putting all their IT into the hyperscalers. You know IAS infrastructure is an example. There's a, that's a cell to mall. There's a cell with you know and supporting the hyperscalers and some of their advanced applications like configuring, you know, the clouds, networking itself, the clouds yeah. for their customers. Like, how do you see this relationship? Yeah. I mean, we, we have a really close relationship with the hyperscalers. Um, and I'll, I'll say it's in, in two areas. One is we recognize that, again, we're there to support enterprise applications. And a lot of enterprise applications will run in the centralized cloud. And so a big part of our connectivity solution is providing connectivity to the cloud, from the enterprise location to the cloud, from the internet to the cloud, from third-party data centers to the cloud. That's, that's the, uh, a, a key part of our value proposition to enterprise customers is to be able to control and manage that connectivity. And we provide a lot of cloud connections. Um, the, the second part of the partnership is at the application level. So when we go in and we are helping enterprises support their distributed applications, maybe some of it runs on-premise, maybe some of it runs on the edge, maybe some of it runs in a centralized cloud, um, we have uh, professional and managed services that will help them with their applications. And we have a multi-cloud manager that will help them run those applications on the hyperscaler's infrastructure and on our infrastructure or multiple hyperscaler infrastructure simultaneously. So that's, that's a partnership that we have as well, leveraging cloud infrastructure. I guess there is a third one. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of backbone fiber. We have a lot of infrastructure. Hyperscalers have a lot of demand for fiber. And so we tend to provide a significant amount of fiber um, to that part of the ecosystem, you know, so much so that it ca has caused us to overbuild a lot of our network over time in support of the demands of the hyperscalers. Ooh. You know, uh, you're probably familiar, but, you know, a lot of the companies that make up Lumen today were companies that built fiber backbones. So level three, um, Quest. Global Crossing, Quest, Broadwing, Tell all built fiber backbones. And most of them built those backbones with conduits. So those conduits and those routes are part of our infrastructure. It's very simple for us, or relatively simple for us in comparison to people who are building new networks to put new cables into those conduits. And so over the last few years, we've built a lot of fiber in support of the hyperscalers, back to your question. Um, we've built about 6, 000, 6 million fiber miles just over the last few years. And we have orders 
from customers to build a lot more. We have another 6 million in queue that we're going to continue to build. That's a significant amount of fiber going in to inner city networking. So that's a, that's a key part of our relationships too. So one of the use cases I'm thinking on this third use case, is there an opportunity for Sonata to buy and sell fiber? Yeah, I, th I think so. Uh, one of the things that we talk about is how do we make, it's all part of making the customer experience better. And so, you know, creating a, a, a great experience around the consumption of fiber, wavelengths, internet, you know, all of the services that we talk about at MEF, customers need to consume all the way up and down that stack at different, for different needs or at different points in their evolution. So, yeah, that is something that, that could be interesting. And just in last topic, uh, last statement, you talked about the second scenario where you are working with the hyperscalers and you're managing the applications at the edge and at the regions and so on. Do you actually go in and configure and manage, you said multi-cloud, do you actually configure the VPCs and the VNets for that customer and manage all the the inter-VPCs and the, you know, there's a lot of cloud networking, intra-cloud networking has to be done that's very complex. Yeah. Do you do all part of that too? You know, there, there's a lot of scenarios that we can support. So we have, uh, we've got a dynamic connections portfolio, which is our on-demand networking. And within there, you can go in and configure VLANs. Um, you can scale up and down capacity on those VLANs. You can adjust the endpoints. You can add brand new connections. So there's a lot of control capability that exists. There are, as you mentioned, though, a lot of complexity in cloud-to-cloud connectivity. So there are some scenarios where we support very well and other scenarios where um, it becomes more complex. Well, Andrew, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I learned so much and you have been such a great gift to MEF and to the industry with all your great talents. And I want to thank you for this episode. I'm sure our listeners are also very blessed to have you. So again, thank you so much, Andrew. All right. Thank you, Pascal.